0: your will be done in our lives. That we would praise you in all that we do. That we would encourage others to follow you, to obey you. This life is hard enough. I don't know how those who don't know you live life without you. And so we pray, God, that we would be a church that would always run to you in our time of need. That we would help each other out. this church would turn from its ways and turn to your ways. I pray that for myself. I thank you for all that you do. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the Psalms, we're studying the Psalms, and we're Psalm 10 today, but I want to share a story with you. There was this young man who grew up in a family that would go to church on Christmas and Easter only. Seminary, we call them priesters, Christmas and Easter only. Then one day he was told that we're done with Christianity, we're done with religion, because it's all about money. That's all these people care about is money. Look at Jimmy Swagger crying on TV for money, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker asking for money. And then one day a came to the house and said we need your money you haven't been tithing sat in the living room told the parents who had just filed for bankruptcy that we need you to tithe more you're taking money and food from us as a church and that's all fine but don't come back until you can tithe the mother said to him Lord split you, as he left the house. Then the child was told nothing about God for a very long time, more than ten years. Then one day, his friend tells him to stop using the Lord's name in vain around him. See, that young man grew up saying the Lord's name in vain constantly. It was like no big deal. It really wasn't a big deal. It was just you. Friend tells him about Jesus and asks the young man what he thought. And the young man laughed and said, That's all well and good for you, but I don't care. I care about making money, going to college, drinking drugs, and women. That's what I cared about. Then the friend challenged the young man to read the Bible, starting in the New Testament, the book of John. That young man at the age of 18 did that very thing, started reading the Bible. See, that young man called a a church ministry on TV called 700 Club. Have you ever heard of it? He sent him a Bible, a free Bible. This young man opened up that Bible and he started reading in the book of John. And then he couldn't put it down. He sat up all night from John chapter 1 And he was actually asking if God was real and if Jesus was real, that he would come and be a part of his life. He remembers his friend giving him an acronym to pray. And the young man, so he could become a follower of Jesus, prayed this prayer. So the word is pray. P stands for pray to the Lord. R stands for repent of your sins. A stands for ask for forgiveness. And Y is yield your life to Christ so that young man that night prayed that prayer. And he kept reading the word. And he kept asking. And so he asked Jesus into his heart. He wanted to be different. And he wanted to follow this guy, Jesus, and his teachings. But he didn't know where to go. Then he went away to college. something inside of him saying to him you need to stop this I freed you from all of this and then that man transfers universities and he goes to another university and he meets a pastor on campus and he starts hanging out with this pastor and the pastor says to him you know Jesus? I'm like yeah the young man's like yeah I know Jesus look here's the Bible and all the things I've written in there been reading, and I want to follow Jesus. I don't know where to go, though. He says, well, why don't you come to our church, and I'll disciple you. So this young man says, okay, fine, I'll do that. And for four years, he's discipled by a pastor of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Just because someone grows up in the church might be hard for you to hear, just because someone grows up in the church and goes to church with their families does not make them a believer in Christ. It doesn't. There might be some of you who think your family members are believers just because they came to church and you taught them your whole life how to be followers of Jesus. I'm here to tell you that young man church because it's required of me to go to church. I go to church because I want to be with a family who follows and obeys Jesus Christ and his teachings. And it's very hard to find churches today that actually preach from the Bible. And I struggled with it for years, but all I kept doing was reading the word and reading the word. And then at the end, I started to become a guy who wanted to know Jesus more and more away all those things I don't drink I don't do drugs I'm happily married 20 years now it'll be 20 years this year I have friends on Facebook who are like Chris Bassio is a pastor Is this a joke I literally have friends who are like you used to smoke pot with us like almost every day. You're now a pastor. Yeah. You don't smoke pot anymore? No. Why not? Because well, I want to be sober-minded and that doesn't make me sober-minded. You want to go drinking with us, go to the bar? No. Why not? Because I don't like to drink and I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm sorry. Oh, we can't be friends. I've literally had people unfriend me. Not the same way I used to be. So, some of the people I know who go to church are followers of Jesus. And some of them actually think that their family members are followers of Jesus when they don't obey Jesus at all. And that's the hardest thing I have come around being from Detroit. I've come around in Detroit, they don't know all the right answers seems to be a lot of people who know all the right answers, yet they don't follow any of the teachings of the Bible. And that's hard for me. That's hard for me to watch. And so as I was studying this psalm, we're going to see what might entice someone to not go to church. It's very interesting what David writes here, because they're going to find their worth in worldly things and in worldly endeavors. And they're going to say to God and yes to the world. Because there's two pi- kinds of people in this world today. Those who follow and obey Jesus and those who have their own belief systems. Atheism is the fastest growing religion in to show you a video here in a minute of why people identify as atheists. It's because the church doesn't know how to answer the questions of why are you a Christian? Why are you a follower of Jesus? So let's see what might cause you and I to run to God and others to run away from God. But before I start with the scriptures, I want to make sure you understand something important. Listen to the questions you're going to see in the video here in a minute. I really want you to truly listen to the questions that are brought up. Because this video has been viewed over 500,000, half a million times on YouTube. That's just YouTube alone. These are the questions. And they're actually considered legitimate questions of why you should actually be any what religious. So listen to it when we get to it. But pay close attention to the questions that David raises here in Psalm 10. And listen to the video, and you might actually see something very interesting. David raises questions that you're going to see in a video 2,000 years after David's life are still being asked today. So let's look at Psalm 10, the atheist and our hope, again. Last week it was... The wicked will perish and our hope. And now we're looking at the atheist and our hope. And we're going to see a very stark difference and contrast between the two. So here it is Psalm 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved throughout all generations. I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing, deceit, and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he stealthily watch for the hopeless and helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God is forgotten. He's hidden his face. knee in Hebrew, and it means poor, afflicted, or humble. Isaiah talks about this. Chapter 3, verse 14. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders and the princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyards and the spoil of the poor in your houses. He also says this chapter 14, he says, <clears throat> about the Philistines, mind you, this is the Philistines, you know, David and Goliath, the guys who are fighting, he says this in Isaiah about those people, verse 32, what will, what will one answer the messenger of the nation? The Lord has founded Zion, and her afflicted of his people find refuge. That word afflicted is poor. So where we find our refuge is only government, not in anything, not in their jobs. Many men in America today find all their worth in their job. And if they don't find worth in their job, they try to change the job so they can find worth. And then they find a job where the men are wanted. Because most men are taught in America today, you're unwanted. You're evil. There's nothing good about men. That's what the world is teaching. You are actually can go find this on the internet. The school systems you set your kids in are actually teaching don't be a boy, learn to be a girl. Because girls are more mature and they sit down and they're quiet and they raise their hands. Boys are destructive. So don't be a boy, be a girl. No wonder we're so confused with gender. Want to destroy things? They want to build things and then knock them down. They like to work with blocks. That's what boys do. They like to engineer things and then they like to destroy those things that they engineered. They like to play guns and arrows. Those things are all frowned upon now. You can't do that in our school systems anymore. Trust me, I've watched it for the last four years, five years as a. afflicted people are the poor people, the humble people who follow after God. I want to share a video with you, and I think this is about the issue of the atheists. Remember the atheist thoughts. Remember what atheists think about. God isn't there. They can do whatever they want. They're always going to prosper, and God isn't going to do a thing about it. He's not going to step up and do anything. That's what atheists think. The issue is that children have left the church because they have nothing for them here. Nothing for them. You find churches now where people go and they say, I need to have something here for me. It's going to do something for me. And if it doesn't do something for me, I'm going to leave it. You know who these people are. The church has nothing for me because I've talked with you before on this. And I want you to see why some of your children and grandchildren have walked away from Listen to this video. It's about six minutes long, but it's very, very imperative you understand what they're learning right now over half a million times. Can any of us answer those questions raised in the video? I mean, it is so infuriating to me that we as a church still don't know how to answer these questions talking about the universal church. I'm not talking about this church. This church, I've met a lot of people who are very intelligent people who probably can answer a lot of those questions very well. But my issue comes with, do you know why you come to church and follow and obey Jesus? Is it just because your family did it for you? Is that the only reason? What is our hope in this world? Each other to continue to keep following the truth. I'm going to give you some answers to some of these questions in a minute, but I want you to see our hope first. I want you to see what I hope in the difference that God took me out of. Mind you, I grew up in a world where God didn't exist, God wasn't good, all He cared about came from a world where religion came to my house and said to my parents get out until you can start giving more my dad was done religion was over in our house and so I learned to hate religious people I didn't learn to pray for them I learned that religious people are only religious because that's the way that they were taught They didn't know why they believed what they believed. They just went to church and believed it. And so I'm going to give you some answers that you can use for some of these basic questions. And by the way, I have an answer for every single one of those questions. And many of those questions, mind you, do you remember what the beginning said? Ten logical questions. None of those were based in logic. Not one. And so I'm going to give you some answers to those questions because I think it's important. So one day when you go back and you find this recording on our website and you need to answer a question to an atheist and you're stuck, just bring it up on your phone. Look at our thing and listen to this sermon one more time. Skip forward to the end so you can learn how to answer some of these questions. You're actually using logic and common sense and understanding. Because our hope is not just in logic God created logic. That's why we know God is real. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. So what is our hope? Let me tell you from scripture, verse 12, this is going to answer many of the atheist questions. It's going to help you as well. Exhort, exhort that strongly encourage or urge your family members who don't come to church anymore to start coming to church. You have family members who don't. Maybe you have family members that do. But ask yourself, what church are they going to? Why are they going to that kind of church? Because the thing I have a problem with is churches that don't teach the Bible. They kind of motivationally speak you. But we're not called to motivationally speak to you. Pastors aren't called to do that. Pastors are to disciple, pray for care for their congregations. It says in the Proverbs, know the condition of your flocks. God gives us people to love, to care for. I haven't done that well enough here. I know I haven't. So I apologize now if I haven't loved you well. I'm praying that I can do it better. But here's what you can look to. Here's what we can hope in Are you ready for this? Verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up your hand. uh, Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account. But you do see. For you notice and note mischief and vexation. That you may take it into your hands. To the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Listen to this prayer from David. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desires of the afflicted the afflicted, the poor, the humble. He hears the desires of us. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline their ears. Incline their ears to what? To His truth. To His scriptures. Read your Bible every day. Just one verse, all I'm asking. One verse. And once you get tired of just reading one verse, start to read two and then three and then four and then by the time you figure it, in a couple weeks you're going to start reading the whole chapter and then whole books but you have to start reading it you're going to incline your ears Lord to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who are of the earth may strike terror the king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. The Lord hears the desires of the afflicted, the poor, the humble, and it's there to strengthen you. Let me encourage all of us today. Let me help you follow and obey Jesus. Here's when something, when someone says this, when someone says there is no proof of God, you surge. It's a simple acronym, it's SURGE. It simply says this, the second law of thermodynamics, the expanding universe, the radiation afterglow from the Big Bang, the great galaxy seeds in the radiation afterglow, and Einstein's theory of general relativity, SURGE. That's all science, none of that came from the Bible, correct? So I'm using science, what atheists want us to use, all science right there. All of this is in the answer comes from Dr. Frank Turek in his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It answers the question of proof of God's existence. I'm going to sum it up in this way. Before the world, there was no time, no space, no matter, and according to science, it banged itself into existence out of nothing with great precision. That's God, by the way. This is not God of the Gap's argument either. You remember he said God of the Gaps? See, we just don't understand, so we put God in the middle of the gaps because we can't... No, 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 no. This is not a God of the gaps argument. Because spaceless, because it was created space. Timeless, because it created time. Immaterial, because it created matter. Powerful, because it created out of nothing. Intelligent, because the creation event and the universe was precisely designed. The fine-tuning of the universe. If you take the earth's axis and you move it one inch away from our sun... You will freeze to death. All of us will. If you move it one inch closer to the sun, we all burn up. That precision. That precision tells me that it was a personal being because it made a choice to convert a state of nothing into something. Impersonal forces don't make choices. God does. When someone says there is evil in the world, so there can't be a God, like in the video. Remember this, why would God take away free will, free choices all of a sudden? Why would he do that? It's very unloving. See, why don't you think that God should step in and stop something bad from happening to your loved one? Why do you think he should do that? God gives us free choice. So we know and so that he knows that we love him. How does he know that we love him? because we have the free choice of choosing not to love him but see when we do obey god he knows that we love him and he can actually understand that we're making that choice to love him see the funny thing is is people tell me all the time pastor there's evil in the world those children in texas were murdered why didn't god stop it from happening said this before and I try to say it as lovingly as I can why would god stop it from happening cuz if god's going to stop evil from happening he's going to stop me from doing everything today who is he going to start with we're all evil none of us are good no not one according to the scriptures we're going to get to it in a few weeks psalm 14 talks about it it was my master thesis paul actually quotes it in romans 3 there are Place before Christ that were good. Not one of us. According to God, we were all evil. So where is he gonna stop evil? Is he gonna start with me? It's pretty scary if he does. People have choices and they make wrong choices all the time. God's so loving that he doesn't take away our choices. world, choose very much to not follow God's ways. The reality is if God stopped all evil, he might start with me. That's what you have to say to yourself. A world without free choice or free will may be a world without evil. It may be a world without evil, but I can guarantee you it's also a world without someone says this to us "All the world wars are out there are started by religion remind him of this are you ready? Stalin was not a religious man, he killed 20 million Russians remind him that Pol Pot in Cambodia was not a religious man, he killed 2 million of his own people Mao Zedong in China killed over 60 million people, he wasn't religious do you know how many people died in the crusades? Actual war? About 1.7 million. Doesn't it? Of the 12 crusades that were created to fight for God in Jerusalem, to fight for his land that was taken over by the Muslims, about 1.7. And over half of those people that died died because of the journey to get to Jerusalem. There's actually a crusade that was done by 12 year olds and 13-year-olds from England to Jerusalem. You know where they all died? In the Alps, in the snow. They couldn't make it. They died. They froze to death. All those kids to try and go and free the land of Jerusalem, the Holy Land. So when someone says to you that all the wars in the world are started by religious people, that's a lie. It's a lie. The role government is not to force someone to believe in a particular religion or doctrine. The world is not that way. Our government, which was created by God in Romans 13, is to provide protection and safety for the general population. That's what the government's role was supposed to be in Romans 13. Here's another one. Lastly, I'll stop here and then we're going to do Lastly, when someone says to you that God is hidden, God's hidden. He's not really there. He doesn't really do anything. He doesn't really say anything. He doesn't really step up. Here's what you can do. Ask these three questions. What do you mean by that, hidden? How'd you come to that conclusion that God is hidden from us? Have you ever considered? These are the answers that you give to a platform so you can speak the truth. Because John 4.24 says this, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. As Dr. Turek puts it, God must be approached through the eyes of faith, but this does not mean that there is no evidence for his existence. We see his efforts everywhere. We see God's efforts in the design of DNA. We see God in the grand structure of the universe and in the knowledge of the objective moral laws. God does exist is concealed, concealed only to those who do not believe. Let me help you guys understand something. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know where I got that from? That's Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it's impossible to faith and trust that God is who he says he is it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him the best thing you can do with someone is this final question if Christianity were true would you believe it that's the question I ask people all the time to find out if they're actually on a Searching for truth or searching for happiness journey in their life. Because if they are just searching for happiness, you know what they're going to say to this question? If Christianity were true, would you believe? it? if they're searching for happiness, you know what they do? They hesitate. Or they say, you know what? No. But if you're actually searching for truth, you know what they would say to this? If Christianity were true, would you follow it? Absolutely. Absolutely. If they say no, then just move. Take them out to coffee. Take them out to brunch. Love them. If they're not even willing to follow the truth, then no amount of evidence will ever win them to Christ. My children just learned this. I provided evidence to someone I care deeply about, and you know the answer I got back? I don't believe in any of that evidence. I was done. can't give you evidence to prove the truth and and you're not going to believe the evidence I'll love you, I'll pray for you I'll do anything for you, I'll care for you but I'm not going to talk to you about it anymore because you're blind you're blinded, you're concealed because you have no faith and I have no problem telling that to them none because it's the truth I love them, I care for them I'll do anything for them I can't stop that. All I can do is pray that the Holy Spirit will infect their heart, will prick their heart, will cause them to turn from their ways and turn to God's ways. That's the only way we can give an answer to somebody. When you give them the truth and they say, I don't care about that truth, I don't believe in that truth, then walk away. Go take them out to dinner because you're never going to win them to Christ. You can't argue someone into heaven. You also can't love them enough into heaven. Remember, a hope is this. This is the hope that I take solace in. I take total comfort in. And then we're going to read the word. We're going to have communion together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let me say that statement one more time, because many people say that Christianity is there to condemn me and my homosexual lifestyle, my transgender lifestyle. No, it's not. According to the scriptures, you, Jesus, was brought into this world that it might be saved through him, not to condemn the world. But here's what condemns you. You know in your heart, because God wrote it in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe in is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God and this is the judgment the light is coming to the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That's our hope. That's our hope right now. Our hope is in the truth of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, loving unlovable people, caring for those who are in need, having compassion on the crowds, Jesus loves you. Jesus is your only hope. Not your church, not your pastor, not your parents, not your kids, not your money. Jesus is our only hope. That's who we put our hope in. Atheists don't want that because they know it exposes them for what they really are. It exposes all of us for what we really are. The one thing the guy said in the statement there in the really hit home for me was that why don't all God's creation why aren't we better? Why didn't he keep us there so we could just fester a little bit longer and become more perfect? You want to know why? Because sin entered the world. We were perfect human beings. Adam and Eve were perfect human beings hanging out with God in the presence of him in Eden, in the garden and then they chose to believe that God is not good. They believed a lie from Satan. And Adam was right there. He watched Eve get deceived. The reality was, they both were deceived. They both believed in the ultimate question that comes from Satan, which is, Is God really good? Because if God was really good, he would stop all bad things from happening. If God was really good, he wouldn't let evil happen. If God was really good... You eat this piece of fruit because look at it. It's it's wonderful to look at. It smells good. It tastes good. But the reality is, God had one command for them and they broke it. That's why all human beings are evil. That's why man is totally depraved. I 100% believe that all people are born into this world. That's the truth of the scriptures. We're all totally depraved. None of us choose God. And so our only hope is in Jesus Christ who said, I love you no matter what. Yet while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what he says. It's not about perfect theology. It's about the fact that God loves us no matter what. That's our hope. That's Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray world we live in today that is very much in the atheist mindset that doesn't believe that you are real i pray lord that we would be a church that would find hope and peace in who you are so i pray this again arise O lord oh god lift up your hands forget not the afflicted lord we pray in our hearts as david so rightly prays break the arm of the wicked and evildoer call his wickedness to account till you find none Because, Lord, you are king forever and ever. The nations perish from your land. O Lord, you hear the desires of the afflicted, and you will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and to the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. That's our prayer.